together for the late morning program <laughs> with your host, Nam Ross. <laughs> Sorry. Why is it so funny? <laughs> Hello, everyone. This is the late morning program with Nam Ross. This is episode 23 with Jonavi and Jay Juggernaut. Thanks, guys, for coming on. I appreciate it. Thank, Thank you, Nam. This is how we're... This is our um, first kind of like group podcast, you mm. could say, and um, I've been super excited. Moment, for yeah, a long time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's 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 awesome. And um, what I was gonna say was, uh, so what have you guys been up to? Why don't you start, Jai Jagannath? Um, well, I have what I've been up to is trying to get. Well, the main thing I've been up to in recent times is getting a men's retreat going. Um, for persons who follow me on social media, they, they may have seen that last year I spent a lot of time investing in kind of men's issues, particularly, um, for myself and for other men, how we can navigate kind of like the pornified world in a more, mm. um, effective way where we can maintain integrity. And when I mean by pornified world, I don't just mean like porn, but I just mean like the music, the, the, mm. the fashion, the memes, the, the language. And I think that has arrested a lot of men's ability to show up to the world in integrity. So I spent a lot of time last year investigating that, trying to find out the tools by which we can do that more effectively. I don't think ISKCON has been very good at dealing with that subject matter whatsoever. It's kind of like the elephant in the room that no one wants to talk about. Right. So this year I had a very specific um, objective to create a retreat where we can start to have an honest conversation about it and um and discuss the tools by which that can um but that we can apply to live in integrity so that's been one of the main things i've been doing in recent times mm -hmm. and i i just got the retreat up and going i have a landing page for it now oh, nice thank you it's, it's called um it's called the, <laughs> <laughs> the page is called um now die to live okay you know, the, uh, this phrase, die to live, is one that's, like, really, um, I've loved it for so many years. Kind of like dying to the shadow side of the self so you can invite, live in your higher self. Right. And I had to put now because die to live was already taken. <laughs> <laughs> so I put the now in the front. And so people can check that out if they like. And that's been one creative endeavor. And then I've had a lot of other creative in endeavors that I've been focusing on. I like your Instagram posts where you have a picture of you and then, like, a quote that a you've quote. said. I think that's really a, cool. I've been I, I, I like a lot that. of engagement with the quotes recently. Like, really? I've been, I tried it oh, out. They're good. I, uh, they're they're like really them. good. I like them. Oh. You haven't been doing them <laughs> enough, though. Huh? You haven't been doing, like, you only did a few, right? No, no. I have about, I don't know, 9, 10, 12 of them up. Oh, really? I only started three weeks ago. Mm. Oh, yeah, the, yeah. That's, I, that's what I mean. Yeah. I reached out to the, my Instagram and said, hey, guys, I'm going to try quotes. Are you guys into that? Yeah. And they were like, yeah. And I've been getting a lot of really good engagement. Mm. Nice. What's your hand, uh, handle or whatever on Instagram again? Urban Sage Deliberates. Urban Sage Deliberates. We'll put it in the um, in the comments and stuff. <laughs> so professional. What have you been up to, Jonavi? Um, well, nothing Big as things. cool as that. No, cooler. <laughs> uh, no. Um, well, I since uh, last year, I I was about an, a year and a half. I was based at the Bhakti Center, mm -hmm. so um, that was sort of the you know the kind of substance of my world for you know that period of time and then um around uh, november last year i i uh well for those f last few months of the year i was doing these big concerts sort of mantra music right 
We did Moscow, uh, London, New York, and we did a, another event in LA. Yeah. So that was an interesting journey for me, something that I I really never never had a specific aspiration to like you know curate and lead something like that. Um and it's sort of led to a lot of other now new opportunities and um just inspiration from many people wanting to wanting to expand so i've been sort of i've been on a little um incubation period of trying to decide you know how do i how do i navigate that myself what what feels right for me and then also um back in england i've been uh yeah doing more uh events um we just opened this uh Omnam restaurant in London, which has been another big project for really? the UK wow. devotees. So we've been doing some events there. And um, what was the biggest um, concert? The bi- where was audience it? wise? Yeah, or like yeah, I guess well, audience wise. In Moscow, there was nine hundred people. Wow! But that was part of a larger event um, called Mantra Fest. So there were other artists there as oh, well. Oh, I see. Uh, and then I think the biggest was was London, which was uh, four four fifty something like that. The audience. New York was really nice. I liked New York it. was really nice. I enjoyed beautiful. that one. Yeah, yeah, was nice. yeah. beautiful yeah. location. Yeah, that's right. And uh, yeah, it was. It's been it's been sweet. It's been sort of like um, for me. Maybe you, it's wrong to say a culmination because it's not the end of something. But right. I've been sort of active in that world of you know music, kirtan, and that sort of hybrid world of you know a sort of presentation and then um sharing with people our our tradition for for just over a decade so i've personally grown a lot through those experiences and um it's been an interesting expression that's definitely marking a a maturing at least for me to to sort of like be the front person of something like that and have the courage to do it because i'm not I didn't naturally see myself in that way, so definitely, definitely. Yeah. Do you do you ever feel like um, do you ever get criticized for anything like that? Sure, I do. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. For everything. Well, I mean, I think I think nowadays anyone who's doing something new or different gets yeah. criticized. Well, I mean, you know, my family criticized me, which is like really. <laughs> no, like, <laughs> just good, oh in general good kind of criticism oh, oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. no but uh i i know i'm aware of i don't think I, I get too much that's like known to me i i know that there's certain like websites or articles and stuff like that oh, yeah, which right. i'm aware of but they're sort of few and far between i'm sure privately and you know conversation people criticize me i i, I guess i've i've learned to understand that that's that's to be expected when you're trying to do anything that's remotely different or you just don't fit people's expectation in some way right. get criticized yeah. so thankfully i don't i think most artists are quite sensitive people and it's difficult to take criticism so thankfully i don't come up against it too much but i'm anticipating it will only increase the more <laughs> yeah. the more I do you ever get criticized for anything that you do um yes <laughs> <laughs> do i i um but I recently, I think the criticism has been less. Um, well, like, for example, the last time I was here on the podcast and we decided to tackle a very sensitive subject matter and I was expecting... A that was very, a great podcast, by the way. I'm still getting a lot of great compliments yes. from the devoted community. And I was actually 
when we did the podcast, I was expecting a lot of backlash or a lot more backlash. Yeah. And I felt that we got very little and I've gotten a lot more support. We gotten like a lot of support for that. Oh yeah. Um, so I don't, I guess like Johnny, I don't hear as much criticism as I had been accustomed to hearing about surrounding myself in years past. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I, I think the process of being creative in general, you have to either have the courage to be criticized and to hold that, mm. or else you just end up not doing anything whatsoever. Mm. And, and for me, at least on a personal level, that's been, I think, the hardest part about trying anything new or trying to be more and more creative is... Mm. Where, do you, where do you draw the line between when people criticize and then uh, just for criticism's sake or when they're trying to tell you, like maybe what you're doing is not right. Mm. How do you balance those two things? I think I don't. Um, I just assume that you don't like me. I <laughs> think <laughs> <laughs> that's a knee-jerk sort of ego reaction to things. Right. And I think especially in the modern technological world where you don't necessarily know someone and therefore you don't know where they're coming from. And it's easy for people to um, kind of just say something to you without you knowing where they're coming from, without them establishing any relationship, um, and it's kind of hard to take that sort of seriously. So I guess if I had to draw the line, I've never thought about it, but if I had to draw the line, I would draw it in like, do I kind of, do I know you and do I know you as a well-wisher? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Know? And if I don't know you as a well-wisher, then it's kind of hard to, it, yeah, it's kind of hard to process that or hold that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's How would a, you draw the line? Yeah. Well, I, I think there, there are people that I would know that they would be giving me constructive criticism or because of my respect for them or you know knowing what their life experience is i would hear their words and try to really take it on board and 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 process it like that but um i've become a bit more i've become a bit more um specific about having boundaries over the years because i i tend to be quite open to people's comments and criticism mm. and try to find truth in everything that anyone would say i think even if that sounds ludicrous you know there must be some there must be some truth in it like i'm re remembering a specific instance that i was leading kirtan in in mayapur in the kirtan mela and a, a cup a year later or so i sort of by you know word of mouth chinese whispers sort of got told by somebody that oh you know people are saying that you know, you're such a bad role model for the girls because you're sitting leading the kirtan and your head was uncovered and there's all these men around playing murdanga. Right. And at the time, I got really affected because I felt like, yeah, maybe that's true. And I don't want to be, you know, a bad role model. And I was thinking that the, there's there's always some truth. And I took some truth from it and it made me very reflective about what I was doing uh, at the time. Um However, I also later realized that there's just a lot of people who just, it's sort of their pastime to criticize things. And so yeah. you're better yeah. off being a little judicious in how you, you know, how you Definitely. take it on board. Yeah. So No one criticizes me. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't do anything, really. <laughs> My wife criticizes me. That's what she does. She's good at that. But I love her. Um, uh Um, you know, something we were talking about earlier was ISKCON succession. I think that's a good topic uh, because I don't think it's talked about so often. It, mm. It's a good, maybe it's a good, maybe even a good transition point at this point because we're, you're mentioning your concert. I'm mentioning starting the man's retreat. Right. 
and we're, we're taking kind of responsibility for the constituency of our society. Exactly. Um, I'm looking at maybe a particular demographic of our society. You're also just by doing what you're doing, you're letting people know that this is something that could be done to reach mm -hmm. out to the greater world mm -hmm. as well as be personally nourishing for your own Christian consciousness. Yeah. So we're kind of taking responsibility for the future of our movement in that sense. But there, ha there is a little apprehension because it's not like you're exactly getting guidance necessarily mm. or a baton handed out to you saying like, okay, now you can do this or this way. And of course, there are things like ILS, I think, was there recently in my airport. I think it's happening right now. Yeah, and um, there are programs like that, but maybe all of us don't neatly fit into a like a maybe an, an i don't know how to, else to put this but like an institutional mold of leadership mm. we have a kind of a unique way of presenting things or being that doesn't fit neatly into the mold so you don't maybe excuse me you don't maybe get that sort of invitation mm. or you maybe you don't feel attracted to accept such an invitation but yeah. yeah you're like a natural leader because you're just doing things and um that's been kind of an interesting thing to kind of navigate like kind of being a leader for a society where you don't have the baton handed off no to one's you. conferred that upon you yeah exactly said, now you're gonna be you're not gonna lead but you notice well people are following right what exactly. you're doing and so i don't think i don't think that they've uh you know i could be wrong i, I had this talk with manaran prabhu you know a few weeks back how i was kind of like cri not criticizing but i was being like they there's no plan for succession in iskon regarding like involving the younger generation and stuff and he said uh he said something to the point of like we have to kind of we have to kind of make that plan because the older group they're kind of like um they're dealing with what we're they're dealing with at the moment which is a lot of things and uh they you know they're waiting for us to kind of say okay let's do this but i don't necessarily agree with that so much because mm. i i think that there needs to be a real uh presence in the let's say the GBC, uh, for younger people. I mean, everyone is 70 plus, 65 plus, and there's, they're not involving uh, anyone, but they're making an acronym where, you know, you can, uh, there's what they call the Saba. Yeah. Mm. And it's like, to get into the Saba, you have to be like uh, 25 or younger, and you have to be able to go to Mayapur every year, to, to twice a year or something. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and you get to make decisions or something like that. Mm. I feel like that's like a cop out or something mm. like they, they kind of like, OK, you guys stay on the corner here and we'll give you your acronym and you can pretend that you are, you know, you, you're important or something. But but until an actual young person becomes a GBC member, I'm not mm. going to believe it. I don't know. What do you think about that? Would they? Would they? Would they want to? Do you think there are young people out there who would want to be a? I'm, I it's, would do it. It's, I would it's do interesting it. that you bring this up because Nam and I had this conversation, um, maybe in 2014 when we we're in Brindavan together. Oh and wow! It, Clearly, it, one of his favorite topics. <laughs> <laughs> it came up, and we were and um, we were kind of saying the same thing that we're saying now, and we brought it to one particular GBC member, Sanyasi. You did specifically. And oh yeah, that's you right. You remember that? And, I remember that. And um, and you said, you know, you guys are not handing off the baton now. So you kind of said it very straightforwardly. Yeah. And the Sanyasi responded, "Bullshit." <laughs> yeah. He said, "You guys are not stepping up." Yes. And it seems to me that that's probably it's a, probably a balance of both. Mm. That on the one hand, there is maybe a difficulty in relinquishing a certain identity that has been your identity for so many years. Yeah. 
and you know the identity of leadership of GBC or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And, and and oftentimes when I have brought this up to senior members, and it's always the same response, which is always been I've always been uncomfortable with it, the burden of love, you know, for serving through the Prabhupada's movement. And I'm like, uh, aren't there other ways to love him? <laughs> like handing off the baton to the next generation who will be forced to continue the movement without proper guidance if we don't get it now. Right. And um, so that's always been kind of the, the response. Like, why aren't you relinquishing a certain position? Like, I'm not, I'm not saying this as a judgment. I don't know what they're going through and what's the whole process by which someone is staying in a particular position. Right. I'm just saying what it communicates sometimes. And I often wanted, I've, I would like to see like, the example of like, okay, we're letting go and now we're absorbing in bhajan because mm. death is coming. Yeah. And that example, like even if you are totally fixing your devotions to Prabhupada and it really is coming from the place of a labor of love, what is the precedent is it going to set for the next generation who may not have that same level of deep connection mm. to Prabhupada? Then we're, we're in it because we like the position. And then that becomes the standard, you know, in subsequent generations. So I, I would have liked... Like in my mind, I think it would be nice to see like this is a time for letting go. Like the Pandavas retire mm, early timely. <laughs> or timely, right? <laughs> timely, yeah. timely. They retire timely. You know, <laughs> like I want to see that example. Like there is a time of life for letting go and just absorbing in bhajan before it's too late. Mm. That's on the one hand, and then on the other hand, maybe our but maybe generation, there's the precedent of Srila Prabhupada who right served till the very last. You know, even if we're not we are not him, but there's that impression of following right. die on the battlefield. Right. So this and is he the, says, he yeah, says, he says this, right. That one has also been very confusing because it's like, okay. Well, die preaching. We yeah, should die, die, preaching, die preaching, but right. not die being a GBC member. Of, you know. <laughs> well, for me, that's always communicated like, well, Prabhupada was a fully self-realized soul and it's his prerogative. You, when you're on that level of Christian consciousness, then you, you're in a place of full freedom by strength of your devotion, which is beyond this world. Mm. If, if, I mean, if you're in that space, you know, kudos, and you, you still have an example to set for the next generation who may not be in that particular place. Yeah. And it just seems to me, it would be, it seems to me, I'm not, and again, I'm trying not to say this as a judgment, just as a, my kind of contemplations about it. It seems to me that it would be reasonable to set a, a precedent that unless you're really on that platform of inner, of encounter, with yourself and God, there is a time for letting go of things. Mm. I, I, particularly chapter 15 of the first canto, mm. you know, Yudhishthira, I think, is the first to leave. And then later, the, the Pandavas follow. So Draupadi is just like, <laughs> all right. <laughs> so she, she leaves after. And when, when describing the Pandavas' um, departure, it is mentioned that the Pandavas knew that there was no end to the duties that were required of their position. And so at a certain mm. point, they just let go of them yeah. because they realized there was no end to such mm. duties, actually. So it was just a point of letting go. And it seems like it is an important precedent if you're trying to like um, see to the growth of a, of a society. Mm. Like there is a time for letting go and absorbing yourself in bhajan, in Krishna consciousness, like cent percent. Mm. And that with all the anartas of a, a institutional constituency, which is usually tends appears to be the work of the GBC. And uh, I remember one GBC mentioning, we asked them, how are, the, how are the GBC meetings? And this GBC mentioned, it's like chewing sawdust with sand in it or something like that. Oh so, and I was just like, 
yikes you know and <clears throat> anyway so that's on the one hand i'm sorry for talking so long no, but on okay. the other hand we're all ears <laughs> on the other hand what, what's going on with our generation like are we really stepping up to do we really want that leadership like you've stepped for yeah I'm, I'm ready to do it so okay great that's awesome that's beautiful that's one person how many of our generation is prepared for that level of responsibility and this goes back into some of the work that i've been trying to do with guys when we're like so much arrested by the modern world, our, our, our willpower, our will to even be better for ourselves, whether to speak of a whole institution, the will to be better for ourselves is so much arrested by the modern world yeah. mm -hmm. that if someone were to come up to me when I'm in that kind of demoralized state and say, are you ready to be the GBC? I'm like, hell nah. <laughs> yeah. I'm struggling with my, my integrity right now and I'm demoralized. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not able to talk about that with anybody right now. Right. So I'm not ready. So there, I, I, like I'm looking at the next generation and there is a problem with that thanks to iPhones. There's a huge problem mm -hmm. on that level. So there may be, we're not stepping up also. And so to that GBC's point and Brindavan, he had a point. Like yeah. he, you know, calling us out in that way. I don't know. So sorry for going out for some long. No, no, no. I, I, I agree with you. But you know, I had this conversation with Jonavi yesterday. Um, that sometimes I feel so distant from the society that that it's like it's not. I can't relate anymore with it in the sense of of trying to. If someone asked me, "Do you want to be a GBC?" and and what, and I'm like, I would be like for like how would that fit into my life right now when it's like so divorced from um it, it just in my area i feel like it's uh there's not much going on so it's like what would i do and i don't know do you remember what we were talking about mm -hmm. it was a kind yeah. of uh di like you for the example disconnect. there's a disconnect there i mean you for example you're doing your own thing it, it, it doing your own thing type of thing like so where would you fit into that if, if someone came to you and said, hey, can you help run ISKCON? Well, you know, people are going, people are leaving. And, and so. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, like for a person like me, I think I think the tra trajectory of my life has shown me to be someone who's involved with primarily art and right. communication. And so I think there's there's a role f for me to play, but I'm not necessarily going to be in that template of a of a manager right. or you know this sort of like president sort of role i think i think i have a maybe a role to play in sort of trying to inspire people i, I often get asked to do more with the younger generation to sort of be a linking point and that's something that i it does weigh on my mind because i think sort of to your point of like we're having to work out our own selves in the meantime i think i've been on my own journey of you know self-discovery and trying to find my strength and my own um conviction and faith in this path of bhakti mm. but at the same time looking back and seeing well i wouldn't have been able to um you know progress on that journey without the input of so many people who as a young person they were you know feeding into me and then i look at those that are younger than me and see that they don't they don't always have that you know with the exception of people like manoram who have these programs like the youth bus tours so it weighs heavily on my mind and i and i always feel a little torn because on the one hand i'm engaged with doing things that connect with the broader public yet i'm aware that it's sort of equally important to be feeding back into this society and i think i have a just a little um 
I think, I don't know, at least for me personally, I can't speak for anyone else, but growing up in Iskan and, and, and having to come out of that early, sh very sheltered childhood, which is quite, for me, it was very traumatic coming out of that and coming out into the wider world. I struggled for probably my whole teen years to like process that and mm. was very difficult. So I almost have like a pushback to be looking back inward to the society. I feel like it's sort of like now I have to be always seeking that how to how to bridge the two worlds together. And so the idea of like, okay, let me have a position within the society or let me be, you know, the minister of art, artistic affairs. I'm just like, no, no, it's, I have to be broader than that. I have to keep broadening out. But yeah. I, I, I'm trouble. I'm a little troubled by that because it makes me, well, who's, who's going to be the people that are, you know, yeah. what, what is the relevance of, of an institution? An institution needs leadership and people within it to be like, well, I'm not, yes, there, there's, you know, outreach and different kinds of activities going on but i'm i'm here you know and this is my my local temple i'm invested in nurturing this community this is this is my world and this is what i'm doing um, i think the previous generation had this kind of focus that this the new generation doesn't have in the sense everyone was Prabhupada's disciple mm. and and the idea was very simple we pushing on the movement but now it's become so big and so in there's such a spectrum. It's variegated yeah. in sort of interests and motivations and right. just act activities. I remember one sannyasi when I first joined the movement giving class in Chicago and said, <laughs> very funny, Maharaj. And he said, you may find this surprising that everyone has not joined this movement for pure devotional service. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I never forgot that because it's it's true. Akama sarva kama maksha kama udaradihi bhakti purusham param that we don't always take we we kind of take it for granted because we are a movement that preaches pure devotional service that its constituency is actually interested in pure devotional service mm. or at least moving in that way, but they're not. There's a, a again a variety of interest and mm. so it, it, it's hard to understand even maybe this type of service you would do when you're dealing with so many varieties of you know desires and people within the institution mm. yeah i mean if i i kind of see the viewpoint of the first generation to you know what that maharaj said like you guys aren't stepping up you know but i i was just having a thought about the, and maybe yeah. it's just a semantic thing but we were talking about relinquishing a position and I find that word carries a connotation of like there being some sort of struggle. Like, eh, eh, okay, okay, I relinquish. <laughs> and, and, you know? and I think, and you I, can have it. And I think I intended it in that way also. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Which Very I, interesting. Which I think is not, I think is not the only way that it could be. You know, it doesn't have mm. to be like, okay, let us in, banging on the door. Yeah. But I, the, the holistic way I think about it is that I'd been told by, by a friend once that when you have any, the moment you get any position, immediately you should be looking for your replacement, and because that that day is going to come, wow. and and the way that the way that the transition will be smooth is if you're already looking for that person and you're already training them up. I think uh, I was talking to another person that works in the corporate world, and he said actually that that's that's sort of a common practice mm. because that's it's a healthy approach. So sometimes I I look and think you know. Well, it's frightening sometimes because there's so many devotees who 
they're so rich in their experience, their 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 depth, their wisdom, their specific skills. Like something that I'm very conscious of at different times is like the specific skills that certain people have, which don't appear to be getting passed on at all. Like, um, you know, people that have been for decades making outfits for the deities, which is now getting outsourced mostly to just... Mm the you know craft people in india right but it used to be that in every temple there was a sewing room and they would right. hand make mm. which is a very deep devotional creation that engages people in the community it's you know it's yeah. something and those skills are not really get people are not really being trained or, or passed on with the exception of a few little micro pockets of places and and so i i no. i would i would sort of i mean i i i'm not i don't really have a you know, I don't strongly hold this viewpoint in one side or the other, but I'd maybe put it back to those senior people and say, well, if you, if you were looking for your replacement, who do you see? You know, would you? Is there anyone you point out and say, okay, I think you could do this. Can we, can we talk? Like I remember um, Balabhadra Prabhu, who does the uh, cow protection. Yes, cow. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think at one point he was reaching out for people he wanted to train them up about how to actually work with the cows you know farming practice and all these things because it's just a necessity it has to happen yeah just to your point both those points uh, but it's making me it's maybe an aside but it's making me think about how you had like a family that did something and they had children and it was very clear that you were also going to do the same thing because mm -hmm. this is a very viable contribution to the society and we want to maintain the society and posterity. And I think why this is why you get concepts in the Bhagavad Gita like Varna Sankara being so detrimental to the healthy upkeep of the society because you need these different families with these different skills mm -hmm. who are going to keep the society going. Totally. And if this, you know, the mixture of psychology happens and the kid's like, well, maybe I'm like this, maybe I'm like, like you talk to any other young guys today, they don't know what they are, you know? Mm -hmm. Us, I mean, the young guys, us, we're like, well, I don't know, maybe I can yeah. do this, maybe <laughs> I can do that. Right, completely bewildered. Yeah. And I, one of my realizations about the modern world that I've, I was recently sharing with the, my friends, I was like, listen, everything in the material world is a trade-off. If you get this, you can't have this. If you want this, you can't have the other thing. And the trade-off you get in this world for more freedom, so you don't have to adhere to the family lineage and all of that. So the mm -hmm. trade-off you get for more freedom is you get to be bewildered for most of your life. <laughs> And then by the time oh. you figure anything out, you're like 40, 50 years old and it's time to die, <laughs> you know? Right. And then they trade off with the other system is you have a lot less social freedom, but you have a certain clarity about what direction you're going to be going in life mm -hmm. in terms of the craft that you're going to learn, in terms of the contribution you're going to make to society. Now, I, wanna, I don't want to paint like a romantic picture of like, like that's all fine and dandy, but that's the trade off, mm. you know, the trade. And I, I just experiencing within myself, like I grew up in this world where we have a lot of social freedoms, so-called, at least it appears to be so. That could be another sort of discussion, but... Um, yeah, what, what do we get for that? We get to be bewildered. Like, if I were to ask you, do you feel bewildered most of the time? What would be the answer? It's like, yeah, yeah, pretty bewildered about where mm -hmm. I'm going. In my, I'm just taking some job to make money because I have to maintain my family, but it doesn't really get fulfillment. Right. I, it's not, I'm not happy with it. So we're, bewild we're basically bewildered and we'll probably... <laughs> And we'll probably live like this until we're like 50 or 60 years old. And you're like, you know what? I'm going to just chant Hare Krishna <laughs> and die. I know. So that anyway, so just to that point, it made me appreciate why that system was there. Like mm. 
okay, we're the, we're the family that crafts clothes for the deities. And that's what you're going to be doing for your life. It's like a certain mm -hmm. clarity. Yeah. And just to the relinquish point, yeah, there should be like a leader in like, okay, I'm going to put you under my tra train you. And mm. I see that you're the one who can do this. And are you interested in so on? Mm. But um, I read this book and I don't like to promote other literatures, but uh, anyway, a particular devotee recommended this book to me. I really liked it. Richard Rohr, Falling Upward. Mm -hmm. So he talks about... Oh, yeah. You, you talked about this ages ago. Because after I read it, I found this so inspiring. And the reason I found it inspiring because I thought he kind of pinpointed something I was seeing as come for a long time. The, the tagline of the book is something like the two halves of life. Anyway, so one half of life is kind of like the establishing of your ego in this world and how you're going to operate. And then the second half of life is kind of dismantling of that ego for deeper communion with God. And he says what ends up happening in a lot of spiritual organizations is they try to do the second half first. Mm. And what ends up happening... I missed the second half. The second half is breaking the ego down yeah. so you can commune with God in a deeper way. Right. So they try to do the second half first. And what ends up, they end up being like 30 and 40. Mm. And he says what they, what they end up doing is that within the organization, they're trying to do the second half first, but they end up doing the first half within their spiritual organization. Mm. And then therefore they become so deeply entangled in that particular identity with the organization that when it's time to actually move to the second half of life, they're unable to do so. Wow. And they're supported by the concept that I'm doing this for God. Mm. Wow. And therefore That's they become powerful. completely bound by that. And I remember when I was reading the book, I was like, you know, where you have like those kind of like a light bulb moment and then the mirror shining in front of your face. You're like, oh, my God, I did the second half first. <laughs> I'm going to be jacked up. Wow. And so um, especially perhaps would you agree that like people that join the temple and live in the temple ashram life that's sort of a push to yes dismantle of course the ego. that's that's what it was that's what life. it was speaking to me because yeah. i i was in the ashram for 13 years and i read this book right after i had my dramatic exit from the ashram and then i was just like oh my I need a sound effect <laughs> traumatic exit from the um <laughs> ashram uh. <laughs> 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 well yeah that's practically the experience <laughs> And um, so, and then this book was uh, suggested to me after, and I just so that's why I kind of use the word relinquish. That I do get a sense that, may, you know, we're all in our different trajectories in our spiritual development, and maybe there hasn't, yeah, maybe we were trying to do the first half too hard too soon. Mm. Like for devotees, we're doing that the kind of the two are happening kind of concurrently. Mm. But when you're in one stage of your life, one emphasis is kind of there. And then when you're at another stage of your life, you know, kind of Varnashram was brilliant. You know, there's time for things. Right. Mm. right. And maybe we went to the second half too hard and now we're kind of experiencing the consequences, maybe, mm. when you have leadership that isn't prepared to let go of such a critical identity that mm. has supported them for so long. Mm. I mean, when I left the ashram, I was bewildered for a few years because you have one identity that works so well for you for so long, and you thought that was going to be your identity throughout life. Mm. And then all of a sudden, it's like the rugs pull under, underneath your feet, and you're just completely bewildered. You have no standing in any sphere, mm. and you're not spiritual because then you realize, like, oh, my inner life isn't that deep yet, and you, neither you have an ego to which to function with. And it's very, mm. it's a very traumatic experience. Mm. And you know, maybe someone doesn't want to cross that threshold and deal with that mm. the trauma that comes from actually having to break that down and move move forward. Mm. 
Anyway, sorry for again going on. It's just please I, don't a apologize. Lot these, a lot of these ideas. That's why you're here? <laughs> but I, yeah. I, I I had a thought while you were just to pick up on this word support that 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 that, that ego is supportive of sort of a feeling of security at right. least for the term that it lasts right and i was just thinking that one other issue about having a having a role that you have for many many years mm. is that often there's a there's a practical support that that offers people either you know a position money place to live resources certain kind of respect and resources and i think when you're at you know to closer to the latter or the end end part of your life and section of your life it can be very frightening or daunting at the least to 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 relinquish that because you know our society doesn't have a very great history of looking after people when they're no longer have a position of respect or yeah you know and i, I sometimes I, i wonder about that because i see there's situations where people get um institutionalized not necessarily because they're you know not necessarily because it's like a power trip or they just don't want to hand it off but it's like exactly. they joined as a teenager perhaps or very young and they literally will have no other there's no other like role for them in society do they maybe they don't want to live in vrindavan and just you know live in a room somewhere maybe they want to that where will they go you know not everybody has a family or i'm just i mean i'm not thinking about anyone specifically right. but i've noted that for many people that are yeah. in that uh, you know senior kind of role and and time of their life yes i had a conversation with a friend regarding sannyas even mm. that so how do people get sannyas nowadays or even as a few years ago it's that if you've like kind of lived long enough and you haven't got married and you're still a brahmachari or you're you know you're kind of like you can take sannyas but is that the is that the qualification you to take to sannyas you have to get recommendation no it's yeah you have to get recommended but that's like the, that's like the technical parts but what about the like inner life part exactly you know, is there is there is there a measurement of that in any way or is it just that you've been around long enough you know because we do see some sannyasis ha ha with mental issues right and they've all they've taken sannyas and but now it's like they've they've had disciples now but but they're but they're getting older and and it's, they're not doing well mentally and it's like uh i don't I know how that related to what yeah. we were talking about i but. can't speak to the modern sannyas situation i have no comment about that but right. in general like if you shall take it from shastra the sanyasi especially the devotionally oriented sanyasi they have been able to let go of the the various egos of this world that would bind mm -hmm. them socially dead yeah and social yeah social suicide right and they're able to you know, relinquish the security of those those egos because right. that's what we were bringing up mm -hmm. how it creates a certain support and security and then depend solely and wholly on krishna And as devotees, we're also, in a sense, called to that same level of renunciation. Mm. Because to be a devotee is also to be renounced in that sense. Yeah. And Prabhupada, especially in Prabhupada's movement, he didn't make like a hard line between grihasas and sannyasis. Uh, and even the way the movement was manifest, everyone was a preacher. Everyone lived in the center at one point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he expected the grihasas to have the same standards of practice as any renunciate yeah. in the he movement. He said that's a real... Didn't he have a comment that he, that's the real sannyas or or was it 
brahmacharya like within grihastha ashram it's just it's not much different the container may be different and right maybe, but the, the expectation is just as high and right it's very different from like Srila Bhakti Siddhanta's movement where we hear like the, in the Gaudiya Math if you're a Grihasa, well, just don't let the beads get cold, you know? Right. Uh, <laughs> you know, whereas if you were a Sanyasi or a Brahmachari, 64 rounds. There was right. like a very hard line. Interesting. And Prabhupada's movement, that wasn't a hard line. Very interesting. And we inherit that even by osmosis because we grew up in the community. Yeah. So we all feel that we got to be at that standard. And in a sense, if we if we have any interest in pure devotion and going back home, back to Godhead, then we do have to be at that standard where we're able to turn our backs on the egos of this world, whatever they may be. Yeah. And, you know, experience the trauma of that experience, maybe even a lack of security in that position mm. and knowing that Krishna will hold me, he will capture me and he will bring me back home, back to Godhead. And I think that, that creates so much tension, <laughs> like on an individual level, to know that, and I think most devotees do know this, even if they haven't studied Shastra and, and, and maybe really gotten that angle of vision, it's by osmosis in our ethos, that's that's the understanding. Like, we're at some point to do that. And it's um it's obviously extremely, it's a, it's a, it's a high call. It's a high bar. Yeah, it's a high bar. Yeah. And I guess this, this kind of um, humanizes the experience of being in a leadership position because I think I think our generation could be a little harsh also, you know, pointing at the leaders and saying they're not doing this and not doing that. And I always yeah, oftentimes yeah. when I hear that from our, our peers and so on, I'm like, well, you're about to get your chance. <laughs> Let's see how it goes. I know, I know right? Because <laughs> I hear you talking all this smack now, but wait until you get your <laughs> chance, you know. And I, <laughs> I, I, having the experience of like, I remember like being at the Bhakti Center and not knowing what the leaders are going through. Like, you really don't know what the leaders are. And even if they tell you, you don't know because mm. experience is very subjective. Um, mm. I think there's an article that you can, even if I explain it to you, you will never know what it's like to be a bat. There was an article written by some philosopher. Like, the subjective experience mm. of actually being a bat, you will never understand, even if I explain it from all angles. And it's, right. I think it's the same for any position in this world. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, remember, you know, leadership is doing something. You're like kind of bewildered body, finding fault, pointing fingers, and then you get the chance for leadership, like a very small thing. And then you're like, I'm like ready to go to the store, buy a shotgun. <laughs> it's like it's so extremely demanding and frustrating, and yeah. um, and hard. And um, so our generation can be a little bit hard, not knowing that not ourselves having gone through the process of having to let go at a certain point like we're not doing that we're trying to build up our egos as much as possible and build up that sense of security that's what that's what the stage of life we're at yeah and then and we don't have like traditional rites of passage even for youth that used to be there to help us get a sense of the sort of sacrifices that will have to be made in greater ways in the future we right. don't have any of that anymore either and so we don't know what it's what, like. What would that what would that have been? Like, for example, in traditional, because I'm reading this book about rites of passage and so on. In traditional cultures, you would have like, let's say at least for boys, you, they would be snatched from their, let's say, parents at a very young age, mm -hmm. you know, as a part of the rite of passage. Mm -hmm. Now you have to become an adult. And you will be taken away from the security of your mother's home, your mother's breast. Mm. And you're brought to some place and amongst all the men. And then maybe some hardship is given to you. Maybe some calculated wound is offered to you mm -hmm. as part of the rite of passage mm -hmm. of the new territory that you have to embody mm -hmm. in this new stage of your life. 
And that's just like for the conventional life. That's not even for something spiritual. There were like these rites of passage that help you to transition into embodying something that was needed for that next stage of your life. So we don't have stuff like that anymore. I mean, traditionally, and I guess in our tradition, you would call them samskaras, mm-hmm. you know, and they're like these little tiny rites of passages. And I guess they're supposed to get bigger and bigger yeah. as you go along all the way up to the, the last sacrifice. We don't have much between the childhood ones and marriage. Right. There's not, well, at least there probably are, but they're not really conventionally by the broader society. No, right. they're not. Just, yeah. So without those rites of passage, we don't have a, a deep sense of the level of sacrifice that needs to happen to embody something higher. Mm-hmm. And then you're coming to this like high level of sacrifice where you have to just now give up all the ego, all the security that comes with that, all the, the fun and the laughs and the, all of that has to be given up in a sense or sacrificed for the greater good of you know, communion with God or whatever, however it wants to be articulated. We don't have that sense. And so it's easy for us to judge from this position about what's going on up there and mm. find fault. And I'm always like, well, we're about to get our chance. That's a very with, with true. All, you know, uh, I'm guilty of that. <laughs> I'm guilty of that. I criticize. I don't criticize, but, I, but I'm very, like, uh, critical. <laughs> I'm critical of, of the... I don't know if my chance is coming. I feel a little bit jaded, to be honest, mm. by the whole thing. Like, I'm so... I'm like. Yesterday I was 25 and now I'm going to be 35. Yeah. Like my life is just going. Right. Mm. Like do I have time to like get in, get involved in like you know managing or do, you know getting cuz I see people who are in, who are involved in that it's like it's kind of like a diversion it's like a distraction in a sort of way I feel. Yeah. yeah like sure. a, a distraction from like um the internal work that needs to be done to, you know, to perfect oneself. If 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 your goal is Krishna consciousness, like pure Krishna, pure bhakti. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think that that perhaps is also that maybe we may we may feel that we're not seeing the example of how to balance those two? Oh like, yeah. We've seen so many uh, people that are you know are you know parents or leaders or people that, that they like push extremely hard for many many years yeah and then they're sort of making comments like yeah i never really had time to read Prabhupada's books and haven't really had time to you know go on pilgrimage or like there's just things which it's not it's not a criticism it's sort of sort of an appreciation of their hard work but it's it's a little sad because it's like maybe that maybe that wasn't such a balanced way of approaching it I don't know. I'm just. I'm no, wondering if that's. You know, we may look and be like, "Well, I don't want to. I don't want to be that. You know, unbalanced in my life." And for many people, also, there's like, like in your position now, you have a family, you have a growing family. It's like, I have these bills to pay. Like, there's only a certain amount of headspace I have outside mm-hmm. of the everyday concerns to invest in. You know, managing something where it may yeah. be a thankless task. People may be just criticizing me anyway, and. You know, it's it's not always th- that appealing. I think for no, no, for it's young not people. It's not, but you know, I think that I think if 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 I don't do it or if you don't do it, someone will do it. Mm. That's I think that's one of the big issues that comes up. That what do you mean? Someone you're saying will that's do a it. good thing. Yeah, that someone will do it. I'm like, how do you know? Right. What if I'm thinking exactly like you? Right. And everyone else is thinking exactly like that. Yeah. That someone will it could do be it. True. And then no could one be will true. do it. Or someone will do it, but is that the someone that you would want to do it? <laughs> That's true. It's like I'm sometimes looking... you're like, okay, who's gonna come forward? And it 
And one person comes with, no, anyone but that person. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> but that's the only person that's willing to do it. Uh, yeah, no, it's true. Um, I've, I've but I was, I was saying it in the way of, of someone will do it, meaning like, if we have faith in Krishna and Pro and Prabhupada and and that that the movement will continue forward. You yeah, know? you know, I I obviously think about this a lot too. Really? And, well, of course, uh, it affects the the balance of inner and outer life, inner the responsibility to ourselves and the responsibility to others. That's the issue. Um, and it seems to me in Prabhupada's movement, he kind of presented the responsibility to the outside world, whether it's our community or the, the greater family of humanity. Um, he presented that preaching basically as part of the inner life cultivation. Yes. And that's mm -hmm. definitely been the thrust of the ISKCON preaching that by preaching your inner life, and perhaps we haven't always seen evidence for that. Like we don't always see, <laughs> I remember like when I joined the movement and I would, I did book distribution for about seven or eight years. And I remember the devotee who trained me on book distribution, he was saying things like, if you're a book distributor, you're beyond the GBC. You're automatically <laughs> on the transcendental platform. Like he was saying all this stuff to me. And I was just like, no, no, I kind of got some doubts. And then I would see, you know, maybe seasoned book distributors for many years. And I, maybe I wasn't as inspired. Like, is this what I want to be when I get to their age? So maybe we don't always see evidence for how the preaching has helped in our life. And therefore, we're a little suspicious about it. Mm. But Parapa's presentation of his movement has always been that by helping the greater family then you help yourself mm. and i do have experience of that like even when when dealing with the men's issues for example by investigating that i was inspired to investigate those things because i wanted to help out and in doing so i'm helping myself tremendously i'm learning so many things about myself so many things about what i have to do as an individual if i want to go deeper so in helping others it's had the inverse impact is that the right way of saying that mm. where i've been also benefited yeah and i do get a little concerned because i i guess when i get concerned when i see like a too hard of a line drawn between the inner and outer life because um i guess my concern comes that oh, well i guess this has been in my mind for the last few weeks but Whereas people get so like immersed in their, their outer responsibility, the, the world of their ego. So like, you know, whatever, my family, my children, my job, my, my politics, my whatever it might be. Yeah. That not only are they neglecting the inner life, but they're neglecting to make the, the, the sacrifice for the greater family. Mm. Now in traditional Vedic culture, even if you were involved in like household affairs, there was, you know, Panchamaha Yagya. So that there were like duties that mm. you had that were related to the the outside environment mm -hmm. the duty to the devas to the rishis to the other human beings to the other animals mm. to the uh, forefathers the forefathers yeah and that was part of your life that's not a part of the modern life so the modern life is just you and your in your world of ego your ego world you know, yeah. so me and my wife and my my kids and my my job and well, what about Panchamaha Yagya? At least there should be Panchamaha Yagya, you know? Mm. And I'm not seeing that. So they're not, neither they're growing internally, neither they're helping the greater family. And so mm. that doesn't seem like a very viable option to grow on any level, spiritually or conventionally. And so if you draw too, like if we as devotees draw too hard of a line between them, like I tend to draw a, hard, a harder line also, but if we draw too hard of a line, we either end up, you know, in the inner life, you know, trying to cultivate that, and also just not doing well in that area <laughs> either. either right? <laughs> we were at Radhadesh and uh, I shared a post about this. It was kind of, it had like a dark image of me and this Thomas Merton quote. The quote was something like, if you've gone to the moon and back but have not um, like traveled to, through the great abyss within yourself, yeah. then what, what have you done? 
And yeah. um, that spoke to me when I was in Radhadesh. Radhadesh was beautiful. The time, um, the mellows was awesome. Then everyone leaves Tuesday. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, like no one's around, you know. And devotees are kind of like in their silos, mm. and it was like extremely intense to be kind of by yourself. Yeah. I wasn't by myself. I was with a friend, luckily, but I was close enough to the the um, the isolation to get a sense. Yeah. That wow, I don't have that much of an inner life. Like we always imagine if I had this kind of space, I could really go deep. Yeah. And do some deep bhajan. <laughs> You'll do some deep bhajan and then <laughs> fall away from Christian consciousness. And um so I'm gonna do some deep bhajan, then the next scene is like falling asleep. <laughs> so there's there is a connection between there's something to the idea by helping others, you help yourself. And a way of balance, uh, using the, our energy to help the greater family so that we can become deeper individuals. I'm experiencing that with the men's groups a little bit. And yeah. I, I think the part of the Panchamahayagya was to kind of bridge that gap between inner and outer life. And anyway, sorry, I'm kind of rambling here at this point. But That's the third time you apologize. I, I can't help it because, you know, <laughs> I got all these things in my head. And it's I'm great. To get them out it's great. Um yeah, where's the Pancha Mahayagya thing from? The Vedas. Okay. And I mean, I of course, it's not like I read the Vedas, but it, it's brought up in the third chapter of the Bhagavad Gita when um, the, the principle of Yagya is mentioned. And, oh, right. And chapter 3, verse 10 through 16. And so in the commentaries of our acharyas, they bring up the Pancha Mahayagya. Like this was imperative for all, particularly Grihastas. I wonder how that's reflected not in nowadays life. Well, like in our ISKCON family, or yeah, I don't sort know. Of, I think it's reflected in just general population, right. mainstream culture, because you see that there, you know, there's not as much regard or understanding for elderly people, mm. and you know, there's just there's not that sort of, um, you know, cu cultural sort of conventions which everyone's is following. Like it's it, it's maybe not the best example, but just in 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 Radhadesh at this Kirtan festival. We were just noting that, um, you know, sometimes the festival is so big, so many people trying to fit inside the this hall, and <clears throat> you oh, do yeah. sometimes see elderly people, or not elderly, but older people that want to come in, and there's a bank of chairs at the back, yeah, and you see like young people sitting in the chairs and not really having a thought, like here is a person, they're standing there, yeah, you know, some of them are people who even have, you know. Position with temple leadership, things like that, not offering the chair. I mean, I saw it multiple times, which is why wow. it, it spoke to me. And I was thinking, what's what's sort of missing in that culture? Because I I think at least with my generation, we were it was sort of impressed upon us that you have to have that kind of respect for oh, someone yeah. who's older. And um, I was I, I mentioned it to a few people, and they were like, yeah, but it's just not. It's just not. It's not really the culture anymore, and I was like, "Well, that's what what is it that, <laughs> like it that was just big like, of a yeah. that big of a difference in just you know a couple of decades." Yeah. Um. But I but I think it's reflected by you know we're not just we're not living within a bubble like there are you know religious communities like the Amish or Bruderhof. Their 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 culture is very um, it's very you know refined and established for so many years within their own community, but we are. Also, because we are sort of a preaching movement, we are engaging and we're living 
in the world. We're engaging with the world. We're, you know, whether it's for preaching or whether it's for, you know, watching YouTube or whatever, we're, we're engaging with things. So naturally we're, we get affected by the culture of just broader society. And I think this is, you do see that playing out. It's, people have an instinct to be, you know, philanthropists and, you know, give to charities and things, but I don't think it's always the, the, the sort of, clarity is there exactly like what is my responsibility as a as a human being you know to the in something like the environment you know, mm -hmm. what is my mm -hmm. anyway it's it that's a it's a bigger topic but it is it's just reminding me of how with in the devotee community specifically how this plays out is well i'm chanting Hare krishna so i'm free from the obligations to the devas and the rishis and yeah right versus quoted and um it's like really because you're chanting Hare Krishna. Well, how, how much Hare Krishna are you chanting? Mm -hmm. Versus how much YouTube and Facebook and Instagram and all these things you're using. Yeah. And it's, yeah, like the, the, the yagya to the rishis is to study the literatures. The yagya, you know, to um, the, the forefathers was to have children. Mm. You know, again, the, there's, there's this kind of obligation to the outside, which was also meant to help you move progressively inside, even if it was slow, by slow degrees. And we don't we don't have that so much anymore. So if we're not going to preach, and we don't have the support of a like Karmakandya culture, which obliges you to do Maha Panchamahayagya or something like that, then what are you doing? Mm -hmm. Then you're just kind of absorbed in your own ego, informed by your own raga and dwesha. Yeah, and you're not helping the greater family, and you're also not going anywhere. Man, you make me feel bad about myself. <laughs> Jai, I, my <laughs> preaching is successful. <laughs> they used to say like that, unless your preaching is making people feel uncomfortable, it's not very good. We used to say like that in the ashram. Really? Yeah. Because <sighs> truth is like a little pinching, truth is confronting. Yeah. I don't mean to make anyone feel bad. I mean, these are thoughts that I'm thinking about myself, you know, because I definitely have this spirit of like, you know what? Give the, you know, the finger to the outside world and I'm just going to retreat and do my own thing. And I'm like, that's what I, that's what I am thinking. But I'm like, that doesn't. I haven't seen that to be a good strategy for myself whenever I've gotten the chance to be by myself for long periods of time. Yeah. I'm like, hmm, this is, <laughs> this is not a good idea. <laughs> where, at least where I'm at right now internally, this is not a good idea. So I need to figure out how I'm going to engage with the outside where I can still, you know, at least by slow degrees, improve on the inside also. I think, uh, I think if someone has good association and... Uh, at the same time, they're working on the inside, you know, have a have a guide or guides, and then they're also working on their internal life. I think that's very powerful, as opposed to what you were saying, how oh, you're just being on your own somewhere in the forest or something. Mm -hmm. um, I strive for that sometimes, but it's hard to find good association as well. Yeah, yeah I think that's been the 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 thrust behind things like mentorship systems where yeah and and you know sangha groups and just sort of formalized circles and gatherings so that there's a scheduled way that you're having a certain association because it's difficult especially in modern life you know the proximity that people live to each other is not really like village life or mm. even you know like close community mm -hmm. and um and even to have qualified guides like you know people may have a guru but not hardly ever see them they may not really have someone that's yeah. m that much more sp spiritually kind of deep and evolved than them that they really feel i can just look up to this person i can 
accept whatever instruction or guidance they're going to give me. And so I think that, I think that can be really challenging. What communities do we see like that really working, like mentorship and and a like a real strong community? Uh, I mean, was, I was see, England like that? No. Manor was like that? I don't see that many communities, so I can't. Yeah. I think the manor um, has really a lot going for it. It's really an amazing oh, totally project amazing. and yeah. place in so many ways. I think um, the scale of it, I'm, my dad always you know, talks about this, that they say that with community, once you get past 150 people, that it, it that kind of is not really a community anymore. It's not possible for a person to relate with in an intimate way more than 150 people right right so the yeah. size of the the size of the so-called congregation is is just so vast now um that you know my experience of it as a child is is quite different than you know what i what it is now and i think many people will say you know they they feel it's impersonal they feel nobody knows who, my, who i am i don't right. really have that we don't have any community anymore it's not like a family you know things like that so i think there's always and then i've heard it spoken of as you know the the, the bhaktivedanta manor is like the great cathedral it's a place of pilgrimage it you shouldn't look at it as a place to get community but you need to also invest in you know there there's sort of small community hubs that you have to like, you know, whether they be Sangha groups or Bhakti Vrikshas or, Bhakti Vrikshas or right. other types of, you know, you communities form around certain service groups like the Harinam you used to go on on the weekend that goes on there every weekend. Yeah, that's great. That forms a little community. Like we go out there every weekend mm. and yeah. like that. So, I mean, I've seen, I, I've, I've traveled a lot over the years and I guess I've seen many places where it seems like there are very positive things going on but i i'm not sure if i've seen a place where i'm like oh they've got everything and i guess that's probably to be expected there's not mm. there's no perfect situation like that there's places that have things that are very yeah they're compelling whether i mean there's only everyone can't live there anyway you know like then it wouldn't be what it is there's an intimacy of the experience that is is needed in order to feel that it's it's personal I've, I was gonna say I was like, I was just throwing there that um <clears throat> I think any community or whatever space that where the sankirtan is going on because sankirtan is ultimately the reconciler of all the discrepancies that mm. we're going to be encountering in the age of kali right um what is that kaler dosho so um I don't think we should expect any less of a um. I don't know if I should, any less of a shit show. <laughs> right. It, it's going to be there. This is yeah. the age of Kali. Yeah. Um, I'm personally deeply inspired by Bhakti Center because we have our most successful programs. There are our Kirtan programs. Mm. Right. And um, what I find very amazing, even my first time visiting Bhakti Center, was to see um, three-fourths of the participants in Kirtan on our famous Thursday night Kirtan are just New Yorkers. Mm. Yeah. They're not, and they're, they're not into yoga necessarily or meditation. They're not spiritual, not religious, hippies. not hippies, just like New Yorkers. Some of them got business suits on. We once had a gangster come in with a, a teardrop on underneath the eye. Like, you know, when I sat down, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like one of those <laughs> And to see like three fourths of just New Yorkers 
engaging in the yuga dharma and feeling some mm. some sort of community just by the engagement of sankirtans feeling some sort of communion yeah uh, either mm. with their own true nature or with with krishna mm. with the supreme being and um so i i i haven't seen that many communities to make a comment about do i see any communities but i am inspired by communities where i see the sankirtan is going on because mm. ultimately that's the reconciler of the discrepancies we will be encountering and so there should be more and more sankirtan where, wherever it's we life, are. It's, it's the, the life. life essence of... Exactly. Yeah. I don't think that we emphasize that in uh, in a way where it's like becomes our... Like you're saying it's our main... That's our main thing. I'm thinking of uh, the Iskon Silicon Valley, Vaisheshika Prabhu's mm. you know, temple where... It's just like it's so deeply ingrained within the culture of the community that yes. Sankirtan is this is what we do. Yeah. Everybody gets I mean, they I, I believe I, I haven't actually been there, but to my understanding that's primarily through book distribution, but also Harinam, I imagine. Yeah. And it's so it seems to be so um it's so vibrant and like dynamic i'm it's, i'm sure nowhere is perfect but yeah uh it's really compelling to see a place like that because i don't it's 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 very very inspiring when you come amongst a group of people who are all you know d wanting to do that together and um i think for my, for myself i've probably experienced the most personal you know moments of I, I can't say if they're transformative they have tra been transformative because they've set a bar where I've, i'm like i'm hankering after that experience again mm. you know where you communally are chanting together serving together in that way through sankirtan even you know the, the the bhakti center i would agree it's 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 incredible actually what goes on and i think because i mean i was also living there um, for a period of time and you do get used to it and then you kind of right. take it for granted right. oh my and then gosh. i go totally. and then i go to other places and i and i talk about the bhakti they're like oh what is it like and i say yeah there's you know 120 to 150 people come for thursday night kirtan and they're like what <laughs> that's like an incredible number and they're yeah. not just they're not just sort of congregation members they're they're people that you know, we would normally be somewhat amazed if even one of them is saying, you know, I'm interested to, to kind right. of learn more. What totally. to speak of sitting in the kirtan and, you know, really getting something from it. Yeah. So um, I do have a lot of, I do have a lot of faith in that. And I personally desire to see um, depth amongst my myself and my peers in both deepening our own connection with, with the holy name, with, with Shastra uh, to the point where it's a very natural inspiration that we want to share it. It's not like something forced, like, oh, you you ha you should be preaching, so you should go get yourself out on the street. Yeah. When you j have a genuine experience, it feels like, yeah, of course, you know. Like, we yeah. had some we had some Harinams in New York in the time that I was there where... Washington Square or something, right? Yeah, Washington Square, or yeah. we, just, we just decided, all right, we're just going to go out. And we would just go down and yeah, it was just so joyful. And I was like, this is so much fun. These are people that I, you know, I love, I'm friends with, we're doing this together. Yeah. And we get back, we, we like feel our hearts full, you know? Yeah. And, and, I, and then I'm like, okay, I can, like that, I can understand how you can actually, you make progress. You're also sharing something, mm -hmm. you're bonding in relationship with, with people and you, it tests it tests you in a certain way, but it's totally. also 
joyfully perform it's very hope giving actually to hear you guys say that like like for example like you're talking you're talking about you know becoming deeper in in shastra and thing and then jay jagannath you're just uh you're just like a a young person who a lot of people look up to as being who is very studious and who reading shastra and learning shastra is cool because of you (laughs) you know people look up to you like that is it am i right yeah so that so people like you guys are what are what is going to change Iskan, I think. Uh, I think uh, you also. I mean, this the breadth of reach of this podcast. It's starting. I think it's, it initiated something in our community where more devotees thought like this is a great idea. People are tuning in and learning. I, we're all kind of like these sort of natural leaders in that in that sense. Yeah, yeah, and I and I hope that we can, um, you know. Uh, continue to um inspire others and also but do it in a very genuine way because that's what people see i think like when when they see you you know talking about bhagavatam it's like very genuine it's not like something fake you know and i think that's very important that we are in all all genuine in our own ways to to inspire others because people can see that you know immediately when it's not genuine and yeah, it's like, I always, when it's not genuine, I always say super souls in their heart too. He'll just tip them off. Fake, fake. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I'm personally inspired by. I, I think. I think that um, you know we sometimes look at the, the previous generation who primarily joined temples and lived in the temple, and we're like, oh well, we don't really have the experience that they did because they were like in the fire together. Yeah, they saw Prabhupada. Like, it's like it's like it's like the, the army people, you know, they're right, like right. back in you know back in Nam, we 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 did this together. Yeah, like yeah. That, that, that the bond trenches. <laughs> yeah, we were in the trenches together. But I think what we have is something different. Um, but it equally has there's a beauty to it. We have amongst so many of us very natural and real friendships. There's an honesty that's very refreshing. And there's a trust, you know, we're, we're willing to trust each other and kind of go on, go on this journey together, what, what self-realization collectively, we he- want to help each other. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that that's, it's very powerful. Like, I, I, I think when people come to the, something like the Thursday Night Kirtan or whatever it may be, um, even someone watching this podcast today, listening it's we are friends you know and we're really sincerely we talk about these things not just you know just for fun but because we care because we want to find the mm. answers and yeah. and and that for instance when people come to, to thursday night kirtan i think they're looking and it's you're seeing you're seeing vaishnav sangha this is this is something i also want to be part of it's these friendships are deep they they have a spiritual basis so i think if we if we can strive for that more more you know just genuine real relationships even for most of us we can manage you know just a few of those it's to really invest in them yeah but there's a there's a there's a real power there and then whenever that time comes to inherit you know whatever it may be you've been investing in that which strengthens and supports you as a as an individual you have those people you can go to and what do you think about mm. this and, yeah you know there's that 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 network of support. And then I think, although it may be very daunting and very scary, we'll be feeling a little more empowered to, to do whatever may be the need of the hour. Definitely. Going back to Iskon Silicon Valley, I don't know if you guys heard um, my, ch- my podcast with Chaitanya Nanda. It was the one I before did. this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that um, what's important is, is what ties it all together is um, by Shesha Kaprabhu. 
mm. for that community. Mm. He's like a very genuinely Krishna conscious he's, person. He's on fire. He's on fire. He's, fired, yeah. he's so fired up and he yeah. just wants to like fire he's everyone like, else up. He's like, he's like, I've mentioned him on every podcast, by the <laughs> he's, way. He's just like shining. Like you just feel when you're around him. You're <laughs> yeah. Like, Totally. wow if you're listening probably i know he listens to this podcast we, we really <laughs> we appreciate <love> you, you. <laughs> yeah um but but going back to that i think it is like a leader a genuine leader is what is what's lacking well speaking to chaitanya ananda's point and and your podcast also yeah um uh, at least as i was kind of understanding the, the 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 feeling of it we can't just wait for the genuine leader to emerge right he was kind of speaking to basically to us becoming those leaders and he was i, I think his point was that you you may not have like the charismatic leader necessarily but somehow you may be by you know Prabhupada's language here the tricks of chance right you find yourself in such mm. a position yeah and you'll be called if you find happen to find yourself in such a position you're basically called to make the deeper level of sacrifice mm. that you would not have on your own done I'm immediately thinking of Parikshit Maharaj in the chapter 19 of the first canto when he says that the Lord has kindly come before me in the form of a curse of a Brahmin boy. Wow. To, because out of fear, I would break my attachment to the household and thus go and, you know, commune with Krishna. Mm. So basically, if you find yourself in such a position by Krishna's arrangement, tricks of chance, then you'll be, you're basically being called to you know emerge anew like okay i let you play around in this sort of spirit for some time mm. i held space for you for mm -hmm. that time mm -hmm. now i'm asking you to respond to my kindness to you in that period of your life mm. to make this deeper level of sacrifice for for me and for my movement and so on and so in that sense i think we have to yeah come in the reality that we may be forced into that position as such forced mm. by krishna mm. yeah and um, not be weary about it or scared scared of it when it comes before us again because of the friendships we can reach out to one another, give each other and give courage. each other courage. Yeah. Totally, like, yes, serve yeah. Krishna. That's the best chance for for you. That's the best chance for the society. And um, yeah, I forgot what I was bringing. Well, yeah, just not waiting for leaders. There's, leadership will definitely emerge. You know, we yeah. have. I think if I think if it's a person's, it's sort of destined also you know certain people they're not aware but they they emerge as leaders right. because of their actions right. and their yeah. self-reflection and but i'm also I, I was thinking of a certain few things in in that happened in my life because i definitely didn't see myself in that way and i still don't in a way although i accept that as i grow older and i'm doing things in a certain way people are looking at me and right. saying sure. well you are a leader yeah. and i remember having a conversation with my dad where he was saying you know you, you're a leader and i was i was like well, i don't want to be a leader i didn't designate myself to be a leader mm. and and he said it doesn't matter what you want or think but you are because when people are following you then you're a leader whether you intended that or not yeah so there's that's that's one thing but i'm i'm also thinking of a time when one devotee uh wonderful devotee shona karishi prabhu it's like a mentor for me i remember he he's always been sort of i think this is a this is a key role that i i wish that you know many many more of our um senior devotees play mm. and he's always been sort of watching my journey and in key moments feeding in things so i remember one time we were at a kirtan festival and he had popped it there to in birmingham to the kirtan festival and i led a kirtan and i just 
you know, over those years been getting a bit more comfortable leading Kirtan, but it was still something I felt quite nervous about. And um, he said to me, he said, you know, it's, he said, you, you, you have the, you have this, uh, like, Shakti that it's it's like people want to hear from you they want to hear from you but he was saying you know don't think that it's just singing you, you people are going to want to hear what you have to say so you better have something to say wow he said you better wow. have something of substance to say so get ready for that wow. he said you should be giving class and i was like uh, <laughs> no i don't do that you know yeah and he was like no no you should and and he and he kept pushing me on that for years it was years he would always mention it mm. and then the day i got initiated he said to my spiritual master so tell her now now th on the day now that she's initiated she has to start giving class wow. and uh, i mean it's just i i appreciate that because it always felt like like too much but at the same time it's like we we also don't know what we're capable of yeah. and um you need those people that believe in you to say like you can do this and and an environment of encouragement like i found mm. i found um, during my time at the bhakti center there really was that spirit of just try it, you know, just have a go and you'll yeah. be all right. And, you know, we'll, we'll grow together like that, which I think Together, is that's a key. It's a team effort. Sankirtan. Yeah. Sankirtan. Yeah. It comes back to this yeah. Sankirtan. It's a team effort. Do you feel inspired now? I do, I do. That was really good. The, la the past, the past ten minutes have been very inspiring for me. We have to do it all together. Oh yeah, right. But that, but that's the ending. That's the ending uh, thing. That's okay. That's okay. Um, I feel, I feel inspired hearing all this uh, because it's sometimes we feel like we have to try to fix things or do things on our own. But it's not the case, you know. We we can do it together. Like we're mm -hmm. talking about it right now. Like, uh, and you made a good point. We all have great friends and very who are qualified in different ways to help mm -hmm. us, give us good advice, whether it be about your life or about spiritual things or about iskon or about mm -hmm. sadhana or wasastra, whatever it is. We all have friends that we can turn to to, and that's such a blessing. Yeah, that's a real blessing. You guys remind me. I was thinking of writing a, a post on my gram on on this idea, a quote. I was thinking of a way to phrase it, but one of the biggest lies we tell ourselves is that we're human, because that's a lie that gives us a pass for a lot of frailty. Also, right. you know, so we we like that particular lie, but along with that lie comes this other one that we are alone. Right. You know, we have no no support. Mm. Yes. And basically with these, so with the, the first slide that I'm human, we severely downplay our potential. Yes. And think, I can't do this. I can't do that. And, and therefore we don't. Now, once, you, once you've decided that you can't do something, then you won't do it. Mm. So that's the first slide prevents us from stepping up when we, when we could easily do it. We have more than enough power to do it, but we downplay our potential. Mm. And then by saying, you know, echoing the lie that we're alone we don't get the necessary support to help mm. to tell us that actually you can do this you can charge for it christian will catch you and uh Parapa's moment is so amazing to me because you know he'll ask maybe with satsarup maharaj start a magazine and, and Parapa, but i don't i've never done that before i don't know christian will help you you know you see so much of the Parapa memories where the boys were going to Parapa. Parapa, should i go to art school to learn how to do this better don't worry christian will help you you know yeah. there may be a didami buddhi yogam tam verse or something Parapa would drop mm. and um but when you're feeling alone Mm. And, and kind of alienated, which a lot of devotees we tend to feel that way, especially if you're living far away from mm. Sangha and so on. Mm. You don't have access to all this. Not you have your knowledge is there, 
but in critical moments you tend not to have access to it mm. you know you need someone you know you need the krishna telling arjuna you know that actually remember this that's that's your potential and you have mm. this power right and um yeah if we can somehow uh, smash those lies within ourselves mm. you know, we may be able to do more for ourselves and also for the community like they're going in a train or something and Prabhupada's there and he's like they're like okay Prabhupada's like okay get out and now start a temple right they're like we're in the middle of nowhere i don't have anything he's like don't worry about it you got yeah, it like yeah, go Christian for it will help you <laughs> he also said uh there's an anecdote with with uh, i i think it was I believe it was govinda dasi but it might be it might have been somebody else that they were they were having to um, transcribe Prabhupada's, you know, tapes. She didn't know how to type, oh, and right. and he said, uh, "You just, um, you don't worry. You you will learn." And he said, uh, "Just recite the Omagyana Timirandasya, and you know the spiritual master will help you." Mm. And she said she learned like like that, you know, like normally you don't oh. learn so fast to to touch type. And I've heard that Yamuna Devi would often quote that to anyone she would tell them you know that that um prayer is so important pray to the acharyas mm. because we think maybe it's another you know fallacy that we think they're somewhere else they're not right here right now i can i can converse with them i can pray to them and mm. and and pray for that help right. um and that and that when you when you sort of put your faith in that you see that actually it's quite amazing what the mm. response can be, and um, and and then faith grows that actually I'm I'm not alone. There's this whole you know sky of stars of everybody's very giving nice. their blessings. That's very nice. I feel super inspired. <laughs> I don't know if I'll do anything about it, but at this moment in time, I feel very inspired, and I hope our listeners are feeling inspired. I'm feeling inspired too. Yeah. Yeah, I'm also feeling inspired. What keeps you going like day to day? Um well I okay. Was that a hard question? <laughs> it isn't. I don't want to give something like stand like I read Shastra every day and, <laughs> and it just sounds so like Prabhupada's mercy. Yeah, so like you can't connect to it. I think um what keeps me alive every day is the Cheerios. fact Cheerios. I do like Cheerios. <laughs> I do. I don't think it's the Cheerios though, but I do like them. I think what keeps me alive every day is that I do quite a bit of sharing of whatever I am receiving or I have. Right. And that gives a lot of life. I have like my, my online Bobtom classes. You know, I'm taking more ownership of the Tuesday night kirtan and mm. Thursday night kirtan offerings that we do at the Bhakti Center. Um, whatever I write on on my social media is not very shallow. I spend time like thinking about a subject matter and trying to articulate it the best way I can. Mm. And I think the constant like trying to give in these small ways um, is is vidya vidu jivanam. You know that is also a type of kirtan and it gives a lot of inspiration to carry on. Uh, mm. I think that's what gives me life, honestly. Prana jr to prachar. Which one, verse is this? One who ki- one who Bhakti Siddhanta I think said it. Uh, one who has life he can preach uh, so i think that gives me life actually and then in order to do that service i end up doing other things for myself mm. studying shastra trying to improve my japa which is could be a lot better and and i end up doing a lot of things for myself because i do find so much life from trying to give even in these small ways Very nice. there's nothing like a, a friend coming to you you know in a, let's say a time of need for for counsel 
and you've been able to serve in that capacity and, yeah. and realizing that with all the work that you've been doing is having some function in your friendships and the lives of others. Right. What about you, Janavi? I think similarly, um, I mean, I, I think sometimes I always feel like I'm not doing enough uh, because I, I'm, I know I'm extremely fallible, you know, sort of prey to my own mind mostly. Like when, I, when I'm not engaged, I find that my mind is pretty overwhelming at times and uh but when i'm when i'm connected with that activity of sort of my you know my own study or exploration or experience and then sharing it sharing it gives me so much um inspiration and faith because you just are directly seeing how it impacts the life of another and it's wow it's a profound experience of actually having like i think we all want to live a, a life of meaning we all want to be able to share something or serve someone in a way that's deeply meaningful yeah and um and this th that really fulfills that you know to to share either knowledge or experience i mean for me it mostly often takes the form of uh kirtan and the things that people tell me and and they you know come with tears in their eyes and tell me and i i trust that it's you know they're being sincere most people you may say it's sentimental but but for most people they they won't come and share something unless it's really something felt and and it's a it's an experience it's something in their daily lives they're feeling a profound connection and so i, I that there's that and then there's also thinking about uh those those devotees who really inspire me who i i see and i think I, I just want to be more like that, you know, right. and I'm and I'm feel light years away from it, honestly. But I see it's possible because I can see an example of somebody that has, you know, really navigated that path with a lot of courage and integrity and devotion. Mm. And uh, in my lifetime, I'm, I see there's people who are like that. And so I think, well, it's it's possible for me at least to come farther along along that path and also to to offer something in gratitude to them for their for their efforts for their sacrifice mm. to try and yeah do something myself um that that keeps me going because i think if i if i re if i re relinquish that it just seems like what a waste you know mm. what a waste it's not it's not really gr grateful for what they've given it's not grateful for the gift that i've received so um, i'm seeing a theme of sharing yeah yeah between yeah. you guys uh, yeah for sure yeah and i think also like you know for those of us for instance those staff that were staying in the bhakti center the basis of the friendships and relationships between a lot of us because we're all we were all quite engaged with sharing in different ways that mm. sort of forms a basis of inspiration of you know how to do that better we talk right. about it like we often talk about just different things about that whether it right. be specifically about specific events or activities or just sharing on the journey of that nice. and it feels so much more substantial a type of exchange than like sort of catch up about life you yeah, know what are you but. inspired or not very inspired yeah. more likely about and you know gossip and whatever it may be yeah it tends to be like conversation flows downward usually to mm. get to to there but i find that when there's there's some dynamic you know thing that's going on that we're all on board that we want to do this it elevates our interpersonal exchanges mm -hmm. and that that gives life too that gives inspiration 
And and I think there's then less inclination to what we often feel inclined to do is sort of like engage as much as is necessary or as much as it to fulfill my need for like human connection. Yeah. And then retreats. <laughs> <laughs> I retreat yeah. to my cave with my phone, or, you know, yeah. like just. <laughs> it sort of dulled the, the dissatisfaction that's, you know, simmering inside, which I, I think we all have that experience. It's not like I'm not trying to paint this picture that, you know, we're not like some heroes. I think we're, we're sincerely having different experiences and trying to choose those ones that <laughs> repeatedly that seem like, okay, that's where the, <laughs> there's some juice there, you know, we try that and yeah, it's not really working. Yeah. So, wow. That's great. Thank you. It's been an hour and a half. I think we're going to end enough. here. Yeah. Well, um, I really appreciate you guys coming over here and doing this. I know it's been a, uh, you know, you're coming from far away, you're coming from far away, but uh, I think this has value. People are going to, you know, get some value from this conversation. Yeah, I, I definitely did. I did we too, really appreciate yeah. you. That's why Thank we're you. here. <laughs> Thank no, you. I said it before and I'm going to say it again. Oh gosh. <laughs> no, no. I really, I really think that, um, that platforms like this, conversations like this are extremely impactful and powerful. And, and I think, you know, we or people in, you know, different sort of peer groups and Sangha may, may be the kind of people that, naturally feel compelled to have these kind of conversations or have the opportunity to you know there's people that live in places where they don't really have many peers to talk to about this thing yeah about these things yeah so yeah. we may just also take it for granted like okay we have this we'll go home and have this conversation at the lunch table you yes, know yes but but actually um to participate in this kind of uh you know dialogue on a much broader scale i think we really really need it and it's for sure and and i i'm I don't see many other forums for it that mm. are as powerful as, as this one. I mean, you've developed it for a while, and I think it's going to develop more and more. Yeah, I so. mean, I, I don't think we even touched on some of the things we wanted to talk about. We yeah. kind of went in a certain direction, which was really good. Yeah. Um, but we'd like to have you guys back again. We can, you know, I have this permanent studio space now, <laughs> so it's, uh, it's great. But any closing comments or, or anything, Jai Jagannath Prabhu? Um. I'm grateful for your friendship and for Johnny's friendship. Oh, thank you. And, um, yeah, my friendship with Johnny started, I guess, a little bit over two years ago. And I think you called it. I think you told Johnny that when you meet Jai, you guys are going to hit it off. Yeah. And, and we did. And uh, <laughs> I think especially over a box of cereal. <laughs> we were at this uh, temple opening. And I was staying at one house, but I wanted to move into a house with Vera and Johnny and so the, at the old house, they knew I wanted cereal for breakfast, but I only had one bowl. So I just took all the boxes of cereal with me when we were moving to the new house. <laughs> but we had to put ourselves in the temple. So I came out of the car holding the boxes of cereal in my bag where we're going into. And I was like, why are you holding a box of cereal? <laughs> and we had, a, like, the rest of that retreat was, like, a good laugh about that. Nice. And then our friendship really blossomed. I'm very grateful for Johnny's friendship. and. Very grateful for your friendship. Also, we've been friends for a really long time yes. now. I started with our trip to Nepal. Yes, we went to Ayodhya. Oh, yeah. And we went to Nepal. And, and we connected over Sri the Sridhar Maharaj's Sri Guru and His Grace. Yes. Oh, what a beautiful book. I need to 
<laughs> I need to get back into that. So that, uh, my closing remark is thank you for both. Of thank you. you. What about you, Janabi? Yes. Closing remarks. Closing remarks. Um, well, I, I was just, I, I'm also very grateful for both of you, but I, I was just thinking that um, I was listening to a class recently by Sutapa Prabhu from, from London, mm -hmm. and uh, he said something that I really liked, which was um, he was saying that in our in our Krishna conscious or life pursuing, you know, bhakti, that uh, we often have these very high ideals and very these examples of people who are extremely evolved, and it can be very disheartening thinking that uh, just it's like oh, I just give up, you know, I, I'm never gonna, and there's not there's not a sense of like what I can do, and um, I just uh, I feel inspired. So he was making the point about just choose one small thing to do that you see as a step forward for yourself but it's also very realistic it's very attainable mm. and just do that and, and you keep doing that and i i, I was just like oh, yeah that really makes sense i think i think we we can all do that and it's it i get inspired when i see my friends doing things like that and i and i know for myself that really helps me to see that, that there's a little small step i can take and i i, I mean it's just a an example i've been thinking about recently but one of our friends, her father, um, he just took it upon himself for many years that he would just he would bake cookies and offer them, and wherever he would go, he'd just have some cookies with him and give them, you know, the neighbors, the kids in the community, the dentist, whoever, and that was just like his service was prashad distribution in that very simple way, mm. and I feel like that uh, everyone is capable of doing something and, and getting inspired. You don't have to wait for somebody to ask you to do that or for any kind of position. Yeah. Like, that's Prabhupada sort of offered us that opportunity to be inspired and be creative about the way of whatever we have to offer. So I guess that's a closing word just Brilliant. to say, just to Very say nice. I'm, I'm inspired to see what I think maybe, you know, people that hear this might, might want to write in and tell you, you know things that they do that's probably be really inspiring to hear about sure yeah just put it in the comments guys let's <laughs> let's hear let's hear what you um what little steps you've taken what inspires you what keeps you going yeah very good okay well thank you everyone that's uh episode 23 of the late morning program with Janavi and jay jagannath have a great day everyone hey.